0: Every 10 or 15 years a film is produced that is so overwhelming so forceful in its impact that it becomes deeply embedded in the mind Persons under 18 will not be admitted.
1: Hi, my name is Doug Rice. I'm a comic book artist and animator. who have worked on books like Dynamo Joe, Manhunter for DC, and uh, done animation like Animaniacs with Thinking the Brain. You're listening to Still Talking With on the Dorkin' Podcast Network.
2: Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists we all love a good cup of joe and there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval deadly grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure bold robust delicious it's coffee that can wake the dead (laughs) (laughs) with over a dozen different roasts and flavors deadly grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts the aroma is so intoxicating it brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork deadly grounds coffee Coffee to die for, and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly.
3: Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting.
2: Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a kick-ass show for you today. And as always, Benjamin, how's it going, bud? Uh, Good.
3: i was messing with my computer screen because i'm fading into the background here but that's yeah i was gonna say your hair is all sparkly you like that huh it's i did it just for you guys but no i'm super excited about our show tonight man oh Um, yeah our guest tonight is an amazing gentleman and we're blessed to actually call him a friend um i think We'll find out by the end of the show if he still likes us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeffrey,
3: hey, happy Wednesday, everybody! Happy and Wednesday. it's
0: it's uh, May the Fourth be with you too. Yes, it is right. Oh yeah,
3: I was gonna oh, I was gonna man. do my, my,
0: my Darth Vader thing, but I decided not
3: to. Jeff's going enough, nerd on us. Hey.
0: So uh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to chatting with this guy. We haven't seen him in a while. Um, so virtually, yeah, that works for me. Let's bring in Guy Gilchrist.
1: Hey. How you doing, Guy? Doing excellently. Good to see you guys. I see been you got stuff. Uh, to...
0: You Not got to... froggy behind you.
1: I do. Uh we are in the land of the giant frog. Yes. Very
3: cool. Very cool. <clears throat> I th- uh, I think what Guy was saying is it's been about two years. Has it really? Yeah, yeah with yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we went from seeing each other like every three to six months to not seeing each other for two years. I know, right? But some things yeah. never change. At least I hope not, because you're still you're still doing it. You're still drawing. You're still out there on the circuit doing your thing. Um, I I know that because I I'm one of those Facebook trolls. I kind of Facebook troll guy. I I, I will be honest. <laughs> Well, I make it pretty easy to
1: troll me on there. You know, I mean, I'm posting all the time. So.
3: True, true. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. Go ahead, Jeff. I know you want to go.
0: Well, I, the first question I have for you is, and and I don't know the difference in the definitions, but do you consider yourself
1: an artist or a cartoonist, mainly? Cartoonist. Cartoonist. Cartoonist, Yeah. Um, uh you know, I uh, 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 really uh, usually, uh, in my mind anyway, a cartoonist is somebody that is writing and drawing, um, you know, merging words and pictures, uh, whereas an artist can be a lot of different things. Uh, so, yeah, cartoonist works for me.
3: Okay. I was but... always curious about that. But technically, he could be a cartoonist slash artist, because we'll get into that later, because he's also a musician, which is a form of art. There is that
1: part, but um, there is that part. But I think that most people uh, with all of the cartoons that I've been involved with over all the years, you know, I I would think that, you know, that they would think I'm a a cartoonist.
0: Very good. And uh, behind Ben is uh, one of your creations, Nancy. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Nancy. How did Nancy get started?
1: Well, Nancy's been around since 1933. And actually, Fritzy Ritz, which uh, Fritzy Ritz, the comic strip of Fritzy Ritz, begot Nancy. uh, Fritzy Ritz is actually celebrating uh, her 100th birthday this year. Wow. Uh, uh, Nancy showed up in 1933 during the Depression. Uh, she was an orphan. You never found out what, uh, you know, uh, what relation she was to Fritzy, but Fritzy was, uh, sort of like a glitz and glamour flapper kind of girl, and, uh, you know, with different suitors and all of that stuff. And then her life completely changed. Uh, now when Nancy showed up originally, uh, in Ernie Bushmiller's story. Uh, In 33, it was only supposed to last for, you know, a couple of weeks, be some episodes, you know, of the thing. But she turned out to be so popular that she, you know, very, very, uh, uh, very, very soon took it over. And so much so that 1938, uh, the strip was changed from Fritzy Ritz to Nancy. Now, I took it over in 1995. So... I'm like the third or fourth guy you know, to have done it. And uh, I worked on Nancy uh, first with my brother, Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrote it and drew it for the first seven years or so together. And then for the last 13 or 14 that I did it, uh, I did it uh, uh, on my own. Uh, I uh, retired from uh, that, but not retired, but I walked away finally from Nancy uh, at the end of uh, 2017, uh, they kept running it, you know, for half the year uh, of 18 or something. But, uh, but, but, uh, but I had uh, 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 I had finally felt like I had said all that I wanted to say, and and I was really chomping at the bit to do some other stuff.
3: Very but cool.
1: I loved I loved those. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed the platform uh, of Nancy, all the things I was able to say, the things I was able to do. Uh, it was a totally different style of artwork for me. You know, I'm really sort of, you know, a funny animal and cute girl sort of, you know, brush and ink guy where this was all pen and ink. It was a gag a day strip, which was not something that I had really done since, uh, the Muppets. And, uh, Uh, So, you know, it was a growing thing. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from it. And uh, I honestly, when, uh, when, when I got the job, uh, the, you know, uh, not only were newspapers starting really starting to decline, but Nancy and its popularity in her popularity as a strip had really declined. And this was sort of a last-ditch effort. They were looking for somebody to breathe some new life into the thing uh, by sort of bringing it back to the Ernie Bushmiller-esque kind of thing. Uh, I took it over with the idea. Honestly, guys, I thought I'd do it for two years. And I turned yep.
3: it. Wow. Well, wow. Leo, you, you were going to ask something real quick.
2: Uh, well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Nancy, you know, the sun, uh, Sunday funnies. I, I, I always read Nancy. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, didn't they turn Nancy into a animated show at one point?
1: Uh, there were some animated bits that were on Saturday mornings in like the seventies. Uh, and, uh, there are, uh, several, uh, uh the uh uh, i believe it was fleischer uh fleischer the same guys that did popeye and Mm -hmm. and and if anybody knows and and correct me if i'm wrong because i'm wrong about four thousand times a day but i think (laughs) fleischer uh uh they uh they did like three nancy and slug oak uh cartoons in the 40s uh but two of them are lost and there's only one that exists and you can find it uh, online somewhere. Wow.
3: That's so really those cool. are back in the forties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he brought something up during that when he brought up drawing for the Muppets. So I want to go back and hear the story because I've only heard bits and pieces of the story of that phone call that you got from Mr. Henson that changed your life and, and sent you in this direction. Could, would you share a little bit of that with us? Well, the story of how I got uh, the Muppets
1: is sort of a long one, uh, 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 you know, and uh, and it's really a story of me being an idiot, uh, not understanding how things worked, uh, being young and uh, very determined. Uh, the phone call actually didn't come from Jim. It came okay. from Jewel, but uh, Jim's uh, uh, head writer. But I'll go back a little bit. So uh, I was doing a comic book for Weekly Reader, and you guys all remember Weekly Reader in your school. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, book clubs, and I did a comic book for a book club. It was a funny animal comic, and, and some people really remember it very fondly. It was called Super Colonel Comics. And it was the very first thing I really ever did that I had my name on. Well, uh, I was uh, it was uh, late '70s. The Muppets was the biggest thing in the world. The Muppet Show was the mm-hmm. biggest thing the Muppet movie was was just coming out and uh, uh, and I found out about the existence of a museum of cartoon art that was on the Connecticut New York border. At that time I lived in Connecticut. I live in Nashville now. And uh, so when I found out that it existed, Mort Walker had bought a castle, uh, made a museum of it, and uh, for the first time in in America, he was, he was attempting to say that cartoon art, book illustration, and cartoon book illustration, and comic strips and comic books are art. And this is an American art form, and we should regale it. We should appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, when I found out that this existed, uh, Mort Walker, of course, is the, uh, the creator of Beetle Bailey, High and Lois, Boner's Ark, and many, many, many other yeah. things. Greatest uh, artist of all time. Anyway, uh, I, uh, 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 Mort had a thing where uh, there'd be a famous cartoonist that would show up every first Sunday of a month and they would do a chalk talk and they had a little theater there. Well, sometimes the famous cartoonist couldn't show up for one reason or another and they would look for someone local to do the talk. Well, they thought I was local, they had me do the talk mort saw my talk and said you know gee you know you did did a pretty nice job there there's only one problem no one knows who you are or what you do what do you do <laughs> and I went out to the truck and i got these funny animal comments that i was doing mort looked at them and said okay well we'll schedule you for an actual talk and we'll put some of your artwork up in the foyer so that people can see what what you do so he actually gave me a little one-man show there at this museum. Well, Mort forgot my artwork, and a year or so later, he was out golfing with Bill Yates, the head of King Features, the biggest comic syndicate in the world, Mickey Mouse, Mm -hmm. Blonde, and Beetle, of course. And uh, Bill was lamenting the fact to Mort that they had had a contract with Henson for about two years for the development of a comic strip Jim Henson had wanted a comic strip based on the Muppet show, because at some point he knew he was going to stop production of the weekly show to concentrate on other shows and movies, which, as we all know, he did. Mm-hmm. So it had to have been in, in 78 or 79 at the height of Muppets that Jim started looking. Well, they they uh, they had said no to everyone. And Bill was they had tried out 200 people or something. And Bill was saying, we're about to lose the deal. Mark goes, uh, that's a frog and a pig, right? And uh, Bill says, yeah. He says, well, there's this hippie kid. <laughs> and that's a long call. And <laughs> a huge, huge Muppets fan. I didn't believe for a second it was Bill Yates calling me. Uh, I thought it was my brother in law at the time, and I said some real choice words to him and hung up the phone. Well, the phone rings immediately back. I hear the same choice words in my ear, and he goes, And this is Bill Yates, and I don't know if I like you or not. And he starts laughing. And I said, I'm really, I'm, I'm freaking out and going, Mr. Yates, I thought it was Chuck. I'm, I'm trying to tell him a story, blah, 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 yammer, yammer, yammer. Anyway, I got the audition. Uh, I brought the work into New York City. Uh, Bill liked what he saw, asked me to do some more. And then a year's journey began. I was still doing the comic book and that's how I was making my money. But until somebody told me I didn't have the job, I would just keep on drawing and writing it and mm-hmm. hope for the best so for about a year i drew it for free now during that year i got to go to 117 east 69th street of uh, brownstone in, in manhattan um uh and uh and and meet michael frith and uh, quite a few of the people see tour the muppet workshop and all of that stuff jim was over in england doing the show and uh but they were very non-committal but they didn't say no That's the main thing. They didn't say no. So Mm -hmm. I kept on just drawing it. I would draw it in pencil as tight as I could, not really knowing how to draw the Muppets, not really knowing what I was doing. But I kind of knew the Muppets. I watched it. I was a huge fan. And I just kept on doing what I kind of thought I should do. And I was getting tips all along the way from Bill Yates and Mort Walker and many other people. And some of the tips, though, were, Guy, maybe you want to hang this up for a little while. You know, we haven't heard anything. Well, then one day, about a year into it, the phone rang and it was Jerry Jewell, Jim's head writer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm in my garage studio in Unionville, Connecticut. And it's toward the end of the day. Jerry's out in L.A., I guess. And he just started talking gags about gonzo wouldn't it be funny if gonzo becomes infatuated with a bunch of earthworms and so he decides to turn them into the rockettes but so we i go so we call them the wormettes he goes perfect perfect okay but every time they kick their leg up like the ronettes they fall down because they're earthworms they only got one leg and so we're cracking up i'm going, but mr jewel why are you talking to me about these this is, oh you've had the job for a month didn't anybody call you oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I found out and, <coughs> yeah that that's how that's how I found out so like I said it's a uh, crazy crazy you know trip
3: yeah that's like nice. I, like I said I heard I've heard bits and pieces just through passing and chatting with you and yeah. seeing some of the panels that you've done but i wanted our viewers and our listeners to be able to get that story um you know and hopefully appreciate it well you know uh <laughs> you know it, it's it's one
1: it, it's something you know uh it's something that you you uh that you you instinctively a lot of us instinctively have when we're young we don't have any knowledge that something's impossible. We just want it. You know, we want it with all of our heart and you know, you don't listen to anything. You just go and you do what you're going to do and you flub up and you mess up and you, and you succeed and you, you go, you rise to the challenge. You fall down all of the things that you do um, in any, in any uh, form of, 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 you know, something that you want so, so desperately. It, it's something that's a real heart's desire for you. It, this, is, this is how it is. The, mm-hmm. the, the trick is uh, to make sure that you ho- hang on to a piece of that uh, for your whole life. Uh, you know, it's easier a little bit when you're young, you have a lot more energy and, um, and you, you're, you're really striving for something. Uh, I hope you are. I, I was. Um, you know, but then, you know, but, but then you don't want to let knowledge get in the way, you know, you know, now you think, you know, well, you know, you really ought to sort of, you know, always try to go back to that enthusiasm that you had and recapture that and use that. And if you do, I think you have a great life. And I think the word you're talking
0: about is your inner passion.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, I always tell kids uh, and I say it in front of their parents. So the parents know I'm giving them this advice and I, I smile at the parents and I always say, don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to your family. Your family loves you. They don't want you to fail, you know, but no one but you knows the passion and the fire that's in your heart. Now, there's the opposite, too, where the parents have the fire for the kid. The kid doesn't have it at all. Mm-hmm. See, so it's a it, it works both ways. Right. And so in that case, I'm always telling the parents, don't turn this into a job, you know, for the kid. You know, let the kid find their enjoyment in it, you know, because there's a big, big difference between being a professional and being someone That's an artist that enjoys art and this is an emotional release. This is a therapy. This is an enjoyment. This is gifts that they can give. This is a pastime and a passion. But doing it for a living, it's different. You know, so, you know, so I do have that, you know, I do have that chat quite a bit. Uh, You know, that's one of the things that cons allows me to do, you know, is... uh, you know, is, uh, is, is talk to folks, uh, you know, quite a bit.
3: Yeah. And actually I found a, uh, I found like, I think it was a two minute clip on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. called Guy Giltrist Int- intro and it's all about you in cons. Oh, do you, do you mind if we play that real quick? I, Seeing you how mean? you brought up cons. I I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Let's, let's give it a play. If, if you have it, Leo. I believe I do. Here we go.
1: I'm Guy Gilchrist I'm Jim Henson's cartoonist that's what I'll pretty much always be known as because uh, Jim was the person that sort of changed my life and brought me out you know into the international uh, spotlight I mean I'm 64 years old now and I uh, got about five million miles on this uh, drawing arm of mine) in production, like I did doing comic strips, books, and television shows, for all of those years you wind up chained to uh, a drafting table. So coming to these cons is awesome, because I'm getting to draw, meet, and tell the stories of the Muppets, the Muppet Babies, the Fraggles, the Bugs Bunny stuff, Pink Panther, Tom and Jerry, Nancy and Sluggo, all of that one-on-one. Plus I'm able to draw and draw for little kids. We live in a world right now where everything's on a computer and everything looks fake. And this is real. I mean, you know, this is real paper right here, you know? And I can even explain that once upon a time, we used to cut down trees, slice them really, really thin, print on them, and there were newspapers with cartoons in there, you know? And that's how I started. And so I'm able to draw for little kids, and hopefully that will inspire them to want to do what I do, which is make smiles. I get asked, who is my favorite character to draw by about every single kid or adult or grandchild. You know, there's many, many generations of people that come up to these con tables. And the answer is always the same. It's whichever one I'm working on right at that minute. One of the things that I think is real important about coming out to these shows is try to continue and expand on and extend the character of Jim Henson. The all-inclusive nature, the love for this entire world, Uh, How no one is alone, and no one should ever feel alone, and everyone is loved, and everyone is celebrated, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter what you're into. You know, you can walk away from doing day-to-day production, which is what I've done, but never, ever, ever retire, because the art is your heart. This is it. And this is a time now in my life where I get to meet more people one-on-one than I ever have in my entire life.
2: That was cool.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. I,
3: I, I forgot we had that. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was scanning the internet earlier, uh, looking for other stuff uh, music-wise from you, and I came across that, and I was like, that is... That is awesome. I've got to send this to the producer, Leo, and try to get this on the show at some point tonight um, because it shows a real passion, like you said, for everything that you do, but especially for trying to mentor younger children into hopefully the world of art. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, without uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I got into art as a, you know, as 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 a, as a baby, you know, as a little kid. My mom, uh, you know, we were very poor. Uh, she liked to draw. She was a waitress. Uh, she would take me to her job at the diner and she would open up the funnies and give me paper and give me pencils and say, here, draw that. Like all of the funnies, draw that. That would keep me, you know, occupied through her shift, you know, through the day. And that's how, that's how that all, uh, all began. You know, when I first started doing cons, I was bringing out just the really finished stuff and I bring out some paintings and that sort of thing. And then uh, somebody at one point said, what program do you do that in? And right. I said, okay, I'm going to do something else. So Uh, So while there are a couple of inked pieces, almost everything that I bring to those cons, all of the original art that I bring to the cons, I draw in pencil and and color them in colored pencil so that kids can immediately look at, you know, uh, a Muppet baby, for instance, and then they can look at the 3D, you know, animation that's on Disney now and go, oh, I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I want sure that it's something that they feel is reachable for them, you know, right. that, that they can do.
3: Very, very right. important. Right. So during that little episode that we just watched, everybody, and I'm sending this out to all our viewers that are viewing everywhere and listeners later, you saw a bunch of different prints and things, and you can find out about how to get your own by going to the show notes where, Leo?
2: Uh here I'm the monkey up uh, up above down below, depending on where you watch and you listening to us. <laughs> uh and actually uh you the story with, with your mother, I was actually gonna bring that up and uh it, i read a very touching story about you know uh you growing up not being able to afford to go to the movies and then your mother like sitting down. I think it was Peter Pan yeah. uh drawing the book with that. It's just amazing stuff.
1: Well, you know, um I think that uh yeah, I think, you know, God really does love us and uh uh and everything is a blessing and we you know we should look at it that way. When I was little, I did I didn't know we were poor. And yeah, uh, there was a there was a theater in Winstead, Connecticut, and they were showing Peter Pan and it cost a dollar each. And my mom she told me exactly how it would be in the theater and how wonderful it would be and she even talked about how you would hear the clicking of the projector and and there'd be stuff beforehand and you'd see the things beforehand and then there would be all of the particles of dust you know coming through the light as it went up and she described the whole thing and everything would move and everything would be alive and there would be songs and all of that And it got me so excited. She said, but Guy, when it's over, it's gone. You've experienced it, but it's gone. And you would have to go back again to get it. And then she held up a 19 cent golden book of Peter Pan. And she said, everyone's going to want to go in the drugstore and get this after the show so they can take it home. And we already have it. And then we would sit down at the kitchen table that night and draw the characters. And I couldn't read. She would say, here, read it to me. You know, I'd look at the pictures and make up a story and stuff. And that was continual. That was the thing. So my mom made the fact that we didn't have anything into that. We had everything. It was brilliant that way. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool story.
4: That's yeah amazing. that is
3: that that's definitely a, a
0: so special. I'm gonna have to guess that your mom was uh, probably the most influential person in your life
3: uh
1: yeah um uh, she she definitely was um, she was very encouraging uh, and uh, uh, she she pretty much let me always do anything I wanted um, she was not really a disciplinarian or anything she I told her from as soon as I could say anything that I was going to be somebody that told stories and made people happy. And, you know, and I kind of didn't know at the time whether it was gonna be like, I saw like Elvis, you know, making people happy, Uh, but Walter Lance, would be on TV we couldn't afford a TV for in those early years. Uh, so she would uh, let me look at the TV that was at the appliance store that was also in the little town and at four o'clock Walter Lance would come on with Woody woodpecker cartoons and you can go online by by the way and not only see Woody woodpecker cartoons but watch what I'm talking about where Walter would draw a character like Chili Willie or something, show you how it was animated. He would turn the ovals and this and that. And I watched that and that was the most fascinating thing in the world. And realizing that these ovals that I was drawing, you know, if you try to draw Bugs Bunny or Peter Pan or whatever, could also be Woody Woodpecker and how do you make these move and how do you put life into them and everything. And my mom bought me this coloring book which was a it was called easy way to draw by walter lance that showed different emotions and things like that and it, it stayed in print that book for 30 years it was really popular anyway when i was 10 years old i was homesick from school and by now we had a tv and the art link letter show which was a talk show at the time uh they always had their address so you could send in stories to them uh walter lance was a guest so now i had an address for Walter Lance. So for two months or so, I drew everything that I could, as good as I could, I mailed it to him. And don't you know that he wrote me back? He wrote me back. I mean, here I am, I'm a nothing. And the most famous guy in the world, as far as I'm concerned, I get a letter back from him. And it was all beautiful, you know, this, this crisp white paper with full color Woody Woodpecker with a big lance on a tiny toy white horse and a big sunset. It said, you know, like Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood, California. I'm like, gone. And <laughs> you're, and you're, you have a lot of talent for a 10 year old boy. And I am sure that you practice a lot. If you keep on practicing and you never ever quit, someday I am sure you are going to be a successful cartoonist sincerely, Walter Lance. Well, that was it. Right. That was it. He, you know, so talk about people that were, you know, that did it. You know, that and uh, and then, uh, you know, it's funny, but by, you know, within six years, I was doing a coloring book for Disney at Whitman Publishing in New York City. You know, I mean, I was off. I was off to the races, man. Yeah. Once, once I got the okay from, from Walter, it was like, I didn't want to let him down. Now I had somebody that really believed in me, you know, uh, that was a success. And uh, so off I went.
3: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> you're <Wow>. speechless jeff <laughs> yeah well if jeff's speechless and this must be a perfect time for that time of the show leo that we have to pay bills
2: uh yeah we do and actually i got a uh another one i'm gonna throw in there really short uh um... <sighs>
3: okay
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 you
3: didn't tell me what you wanted me to play tonight i did i sent you a message i said the new ad the betty white and that's it but New, oh, okay fine fly <laughs> fly, my friend fly
2: uh okay uh, i want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening we still got plenty of show left so but definitely check out the show notes up above or down below depending on where you're watching or listening to us to listen to guy and uh, you know chances are he's going to be at a con near you soon doing a ton of cons this year uh but you know we do have some ads to play and uh here we go
3: Daredevil and the Punisher. You now, spring has finally arrived, and that means summer cannot be far behind. And you know what I'm doing at the end of the summer? I'm going down to Maryland for the Pop and Horror Con, August 27th and 28th. I hope to see you there. It's going to be a great time. Hey, guys, this is Tony Moran. I played the original Michael Myers from John Carpenter's movie Halloween. Uh, I'm doing this great convention called the Maryland... Pop and Horror Convention. Anyways, can't
0: wait to see you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, kids. George Lowe here, voice of TV's beloved Space Ghost. And you know what would be horrible and horrific and really scary? To miss Maryland Pop and Horror Con.
4: Thank you for supporting Actors and Others for Animals. We started a long, long time ago. So when you find an organization like Actors and Others for Animals, it sort of unites all of those of us who want to pay back something for all the joy we get out of animals. Please keep up the good work believe me it's deeply appreciated there we go <laughs> uh,
1: okay
3: Eddie white is a better day right mm-hmm right that uh, <clears throat> that commercial was actually filmed um, right before she passed and it was supposed to be released um, shortly after the beginning of the year and we one of the agents that I work with sent it to me and said, would you mind playing this during the live show for a couple of weeks, you know, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? We're just going to play it all year long off and on, you know, yeah. just, just amazing. But we were actually one of the first people to get the commercial, which was, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. So
2: uh, but- we, we had a question that came in. Uh, Jeremy's asking, uh, which Muppet do you most identify as?
1: hmm well as i get older and older and older you know it's it's gonna be Sailor or waldorf i have a feeling uh. <laughs> but you no, know,
4: you know now that i'm you know talking so much about the old days you know it's sort of Rolf, Rolf the dog i'll tell you what you guys you know you think that kermit the frog here is you know oh he's all everything you know but i'll tell you something in the 1960s, I was top dog. I had the Jimmy Dean show, a recording deal. I was on Mike Douglas, Phil Donahue. I was on everything. Oh, I was at every fire hydrant in every high place. Zeroes, the Copa Then the frog comes along. Man, did we get along great. We had more TV, movies. Everything was fantastic. Then... Disney bought us. Now I live in a box. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> yeah.
3: um, and there you go, Jeremy.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, growing up, I, I absolutely loved the Muppet Babies. What was the, I obviously, inspiration from the Muppets? But you know, how did that come to be?
1: Uh, well, unbeknownst to me. Um, you know, so I was doing the so I was doing the strip. Uh we had uh and that was my all that was my all consuming thing. And um especially over the first year or two, uh because we had eighty million readers. Eighty million readers. we have eighty million readers. You know what that means? Don't spell stuff wrong. Um anyway, because you know you'll (laughs) go. Um anyway uh so i was doing that but of course i was the first guy you know to do muppet cartoons and uh you know jim was very very active in uh in the strip and uh um you know and so the idea came about you know cartoon you know muppets and eventually that did happen you know there were animated fraggles and animated pigs in space and all that well um Jim Mahan, who worked at 117, he's 69. Remember, I worked in Connecticut in my own studio. So Jim Mahan was coming up with—he had an idea for like a uh, baby Sesame Street puppets. And um, anyway, that sort of started to evolve over there at the Brownstone, unbeknownst to me. Well, then I got a phone call from Michael Frick, my boss uh, on the Strip. And Michael asked me to do my version of all of the Muppets as babies, uh, but concentrate on like the big four and the big six, basically, uh, characters, most popular characters. And um, But I had to get it to him within about two days. And by that time, they were sculpting um, Baby Rolf for that was eventually going to be in Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay, in that, in the dream sequence, right? Mm-hmm. So this was already a thing, but no one knew it, and they weren't sure what they were gonna kind of do with it at that point, okay? And uh, so anyway, I did what I needed to do. I, I, I had two days to draw as much as I possibly could. I wrote jokes because that's what I do. And I did these versions of the characters, which weren't all that different from my cartoon version of the regular Muppets. Because when I was drawing the regular Muppets in tiny little panels like this for the newspaper, you had to make their heads bigger, their eyes bigger, all that kind of stuff, bodies smaller, uh, and animate them a lot. Because remember, we didn't have the color, the voices, the music, any of that stuff. And yet we had to still uh, you'll get laughs and, uh, uh, and, and connect with people. So anyway, I brought my stuff in and that was sort of the, the, the beginning of, of everything. Uh, uh, so, you know, I was, uh, you know, a part of the creation of the babies. And, uh, uh, once the story arc was established, uh, and the the story arc had to be the way it was going to be. You had a whole bunch of little babies and they can't even cross the street by themselves. So they're going to be in the nursery all the time, you know, and maybe wander out into the hallway or something. So everything had to happen in their imaginations. And uh, so that was a wonderful thing. And then all the clips and all of that stuff. My job with the babies became doing hundreds and hundreds of drawings and, uh, you know, creating like a style guide for them for all the different products and doing paintings for every toy, every book, everything, everything, everything that I could possibly do while still doing my main job, which was writing and drawing Muppets for the world, you know? Wow. Okay. Very cool. I had a question.
0: Um, I'm always seeing you drawing the turtles.
1: Uh, how did you get involved with the turtles? Um, so I got a phone call from, we had a pretty big studio at the time. This was uh, late 80s. And I had, by then, I, in 86, we we had stopped the Muppets comic strip. So I had, so, uh, so you know, that, that, full-time job was not there. I was still doing babies and a lot of stuff for, for Jim. Uh, but I, uh, I had a deal with Random House Publishing in New York, their children's division, that uh, I had so many people that were working and I had worked on quite a few different properties like Looney Tunes for Warner Brothers. I was the East Coast Warner Brothers uh, uh, art director. I was doing uh, Tom and Jerry and a lot of other things. So, and and a lot of Disney properties as well. So I had a phone call from Roberta Roberta Purcell, who was the editor-in-chief over there. And she said, hey, guy, there was this deal I had that if they got any new children's license, they would run it by me first to see if me and my studio would want to take it on. But now anything that was gross, disgusting, anything that I didn't think was like, you know, up my kid's alley, You know, me being the arbiter of everything in good taste was, you know, kind of my deal, I guess. I had always wanted a certain look to what we did and a certain feeling for everything that we did. And anyway, she goes, you're not going to believe this. So it it sounds like ABC is going to do a pilot for something called Teenage Mutilated Ninja Turtles. And I went, what? Now, remember those garbage pail kids and stuff like that? I said, what? Well, it's just, yeah, teenage mutilated ninja turtles. It's like uh, these little turtles, and they walk through this goop, and they get mutilated, and then they do karate, and they live in a sewer, and their boss is a rat. And I'm going, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> and they we laughed and laughed and laughed and hopped the phone. About two, three weeks later, I get a phone call from a guy in New Jersey. And he talked like this. Is this guy Francis Gilchrist? I'm going, what did I do to take the mob off? <laughs> <laughs> I've always been nice to the mob. The mob's been nice to me. I've been working in New York for 20 years. <coughs> this guy Gilchrist, uh, who, who's this? You know, you turned me down. the turtle guy I went what the turtle guy you know the turtles. I went wait a minute the mutilated turtles that live in a sewer with a rat and eat pizza he goes no they're not mutilated they're mutated it's cute and he starts telling me about the story of it and everything. And I'm going, yeah, 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 I don't think so. And, um, but uh, the thing was that it turned out he was a very nice guy and very influential uh, in the Turtles. Um, he was a guy that ran the toy the toy company or was the sales, the head sales guy for the toy company he mm-hmm. the boys. And what was going on was um, they were going through a transitional time. It was about a year before the show came out. And, you know, of course it was very dark. You know, uh, the, sh- the, the original, you know, uh, the original stories were mm-hmm. very dark. They had to be brightened up without taking away what was going on with it. And, and they wanted somebody that knew how to coordinate books, television, and tours just kind of what i did so i said okay well you know send me over uh the uh send me over you know what you got for a script let me take a look at it i read the script and i said oh wait a minute this is like bonanza i kind of like this you know you had these kids you had you know you had a father figure you had the boys the boys had more brawn than brains Basically, they got themselves into some trouble and everything. But they were an interesting kind of a family that was together. They learned lessons together. And then, you know, uh, they'd be bad guys show up on the Ponderosa. They'd beat them up. And then, you know, instead of going to Hop Sing in the kitchen, uh, you know, uh, 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 in the dining room there and he'd come out from the kitchen, they they ordered pizza. I'm going like, this is Bonanza. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's around the really bad guy with the Three Stooges. We're all good, so that's what. <laughs> I did. So I did all of the random. I did a lot of the Random House books. They wound up using the covers and a lot of that art from the Random House children's books on a lot of items. And I did things like you remember the little uh, 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 plastic, like uh, turtle. Uh, Halloween costumes, yeah, yep. yeah, I did those, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah,
3: you know? huh. I bet yeah. you my wife still has one in a closet somewhere. I'm gonna have to get that for the next con. <laughs> 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 I'll be mean, like, yeah, she probably does. Her kids probably had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: could not be over the feather that that stuff is still. You know, it's 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 incredibly popular. Uh, you know, I didn't even know Kevin and Peter um at all uh you know, but they were sort of seeking me out and um uh it worked out very very well I mean I was their outside guy and we had a studio that could you know that could turn out what we needed to turn out in the quality that I wanted it to be and uh, I really enjoyed the property and it was it was uh, you know it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and uh you know and it's still rolling after all of this time it's just mm-hmm crazy yeah. man it's crazy
3: it is yeah. still rolling though yeah
1: everybody likes turtles i
3: know and pizza it, It's crazy and yeah. pizza
1: it's gone through so many different uh you know so many different uh uh looks you know uh over over the years and yet you know uh the the uh the classic turtles it's still there you know mm-hmm. they'll really enjoy them i'm glad they do I draw them, you know, constantly. Uh, Kevin and I just did a con together in Huntsville, and it was insanity. You know, Kevin's on one side of the corridor. I'm on the other side of the corridor. So, you know, our lines were sort of merged. It was insanity. It was just turtle insanity the whole weekend. It was great. That's awesome. Uh,
0: Have you run run into Steve at all lately?
1: Oh, yeah. I actually saw Steve this past weekend. Um, Oh, cool. uh, We did a, a Star Wars con. Um, it was mostly Star Wars, but they had other things, obviously, because so I'm not Star Wars. Uh, right. neither. Uh, but, yeah, Steve was uh, at the ICCC Nashville uh, convention uh, over the weekend. And uh, uh, cool. we,
2: we had a question come in. Uh, Tim Jones, uh, who does Sour Grapes comic strip. Uh, oh, hi,
1: he... I remember Tim. Yeah, sure. Hi, Tim. Uh, Tim's a great cartoonist
2: yeah he is. we we loved him uh so he's always wanted he's always wanted to know uh did you do the writing for nancy as well as draw it? yes mm-hmm. there you go Tim. yeah
1: uh in the there early uh in the early years of nancy uh the first seven or eight years or so uh my brother brad also wrote and there were some years that he almost wrote all of it uh, depending on what my schedule was on other things. Uh, but, um, uh, but, but as the years sort of wore uh, wore on with the strip, I was writing more and more of it eventually the last oh, 13, 14 years or so I wrote it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Very cool. So, so, uh, at the cons, uh, well, either at the cons or, or on your own, you know, uh, people ask for commissions and whatnot uh, has, uh, what are some of the craziest crossovers people have asked you to do? Like, you know, like Muppets as the turtles or something like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, Um, well, I've, uh, there've been, there've been a lot of real fun ones, uh, that have, that, that have come through. I really liked, um, I did the Muppets and little shop of horrors. So we did little shop of Muppets. That was really fun. Uh, um, <laughs> that, I also drew Kermit as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Kerm- <laughs> I did the Kerminator. That was... That was- <laughs> uh, I did Elmer Fudd as the Punisher going, I'm punishing wabbits, you know. Oh, uh, but, you know, but when it comes to the violence stuff where there's a gun or something like that, it's always very cartoony gun. You know, I don't do any violence or anything like that. But, right. You know. uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh uh there have been there have been a lot of really really fun uh ones that have come up i did one recently uh that's you can see on my facebook and stuff it's it's it took me about three or four days just to draw and ink the piece and then we digitally colored it and uh, it's not a crazy it's not it's not a goofy one but it's it's a really cool one it's The Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, uh, Robin Hood scene where Robin is saying, welcome to Sherwood, my lady, and all of
3: the Muppets. Uh, No way. That's cool. Leo's already looking for it. He's already (laughs) looking for it. Did you see that? See, now, if you're listening to us on the radio station tonight or if you're listening to us in podcast later, you've got to come watch us live because – you miss when Leo just turns away from everything <laughs> and he's Googling, he's looking for that picture. So, Oh,
2: I just found the, uh, you did the Muppets uh, star Wars. Oh, that is so awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, well, you know, the, <laughs> the Muppet babies at star Wars, you know, that started out with the show. And, <laughs> and then when I did the, the, the Muppet babies lunchbox, you know, we had, you know, cause we didn't do star Wars. Exactly, but we did a Star Wars esque, you know, painting on the
3: old uh, mother baby's lunchbox from a million years ago, right? So, wow. now if, if somebody was interested in purchasing like a print or something like that and they can't get to a con, are those available on your website?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we have a huge, uh, sort of e commerce uh, presence and. Uh, you can uh, go to the store at, you know, a. Gilchrist Production, uh, dot com And on my Instagram, on the Facebook, I, there's a link to, to all of it. You click on that store and there are a lot of options. You can go, you know, people like the Pops, you know, mm-hmm. that I on the Pops. We have a website for that. We have the website for original art and prints. And then there's also a thing called The Shout, like, like video shout outs kind of thing Mm -hmm. where you ask me to draw you a kermit or a michelangelo or a pink panther or something like that and i do it for you and or for your fiance or your son or daughter or whatever and i hold it up and we you know give a message to that that person as well so a lot of fun stuff up there
3: and in case our viewers or listeners missed that that's so cool that's badass wow well, look that, at you! You
1: are you are Mister Nimble Fingers pulling that up like that. Wow! Wow!
3: That was really cool. <laughs> this <towel> was one. <laughs> <laughs> so these are just a few things that you folks can see on on the uh, e commerce side of the store and stuff. And you can find all those links where Leo
2: uh, on the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us.
3: That's right. Always in the show notes. Everything about our amazing guests in the show notes. So definitely we want to urge you to go over and check out Guy's amazing artwork. I mean, there's just – there's something I've for seen it, I've seen
1: it live. I've
3: seen all oh, yeah, of shit
1: in person. It's unbelievable. It's been a blast seeing you guys. I mean, I can't believe it's been two years since we've hung out. And, I know. Uh, really fun hanging out with you guys.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, the con circuit's opening back up. Things just to open back up, so –
1: Things are rocking in the con world. Yeah,
3: yeah. You know, if, if nothing else, I will say this right now, if nothing else, even though we don't do the November show anymore, um, I'll make it a point to try to get up there and see you. Oh, great. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we loved, we always loved hanging out. It was just the stories. I love just, I love listening to you talk about the stories about all these things. It's just kind of like, one. Of, I'm like a little kid sometimes. <laughs> I I
0: want to get my hands on one of them painted guitars.
3: Oh, I know.
1: So I can still tell stories,
3: right? Right. So if uh, if you missed that, folks, guy has done some amazing work on guitars, like custom painting guitars with. Oh, you gotta, Uh, you gotta go
1: right now, though. No, 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 no more for a while. But yes, you can see them all. (laughs) Them all please don't write to me, ask me for one right now. I can't do it right now. No, 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 no. You know, it's only like, you know, it's only got 40 or 50 hours of my life, you know, to put it right, right? instead of working on something else. But no, I, yeah, I really do love, uh, I I, I love doing the guitars. You know, I probably do about one a year these days, you know.
3: Right, right. And the reason I bring that up is because, like I said at the beginning of the show, we don't have a lot of time left with you, but I do want to bring up the fact that you are also a musician. Well, there you, and,
1: that would say that's really not true. Um, you know, people that have actually heard me sing and play. Um,
3: I uh, listened to a couple of songs off of Angel in Black today, and I was like, wow. It's not, it's not like the style of music that I would normally be drawn to, but I was, I give everything a chance, and I was very impressed. I was like, wow, this is really good.
1: Well, thanks. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, as we, as I we, wasn't impressed you we didn't even hear it <laughs>
3: no i
1: didn't <laughs> uh, i was mentioning you know early on i i you know i uh, i knew i wanted to be a storyteller and uh, you know and and of course elvis you know my mom loved elvis
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and little richard jerry lee and all of that and and i grew up with all that i uh and i discovered hank williams records and that sort of really did like it just put me into outer space. I couldn't believe. So, you know, you learn three chords and you start, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had some great success. I moved to, uh, Nashville, uh, to, gosh, about 16 years ago, something like that now. Um, and I've been able to, you know, just record with the best people. Uh, I've had, uh, uh half a dozen songs of mine that I sang, uh, you know be on uh, on the radio had some regional hits uh sang on the grand old opry on the midnight jamboree uh and a lot of the dreams that that i i had once upon a time uh have come true in music and uh wow. it's been it's been a very very cool journey yeah and you you know you guys you know they can people can hear i don't have uh we don't have a pandora channel but we do have spotify and yep. plus, all the songs, of course, are up on you know Amazon and, and YouTube. Up and on YouTube, Cameron.
3: yep. Right, right. Can we get can we get up? those
0: on the Dead Dork? Where I was I
3: was actually just gonna I was just gonna ask him, um, what what type of genre would you classify that music?
1: Um, you know, I grew up during the Vietnam era, and uh, and you know, and then and the Eagles, you know, kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So. Yeah. You know, so uh, I guess folks would consider it, you know, late '60s country. That's
3: it, that's what I was going for. Like a
1: yeah, country-ish. A late, it's it's sort of a late '60s country, it's, kind of a folky folky country.
3: Yeah, yeah, mm, rock yeah.
1: country. But, yeah. you know, back in the day when you know, back in the day, uh, AM radio would play, Whalen and Jennings right next to Zeppelin right next to the moody blues, right next to the grassroots. It was like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Soaked all of that up. And uh uh the the latest record that I have, which is now about a year and a half or two years old, called Crystal Blue, mm-hmm. not country at all. Uh it was something that we, you know, we did some jangly guitars with and we 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 had some fun. Uh But uh, but a lot of the catalog is country because it was country and alternative country and roots uh, radio that was playing my music. It wasn't the the top 40 uh, country, but the roots country and the the uh, the majority of the airplay, believe it or not, comes from like all over Europe and Australia, where they're. They're really into, you know, that Johnny Cash, Will and Jennings, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, where also guys like Zach Brown do incredibly well, you know, Um, of course, Zach does good anywhere. Right. Right. Uh, Right. But of course, I grew up also with Southern Rock and there's a lot of Southern Rock in what I play.
3: Yep. Yep. And you actually I saw a picture on the Internet not too long ago where you actually I'm not sure if you got to play with, but. You were up on stage with Charlie Daniels. Oh, yeah. Charlie and I,
1: Charlie used to invite me up every year at a benefit to sing with him. I sang with him a lot. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you
3: kidding me? Right? Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just blown away. I mean, he's one of my all-time favorites. And I I grew up, I mean, I'm going to be 50 this year you got, you got a couple of years on me, but I grew up listening to, like you said, the Johnny Cash, um, you know, in the, in the Southern style rock stuff. Uh, that's all my father would listen to.
1: Sure. You know, well, hey, Charlie was a very, very close friend of mine. And, uh, uh, we worked, uh, we, we worked, uh, for, uh, some, uh, severely handicapped children, uh, the Angeles house in, um, in, uh, uh, Newport Ritchie, uh, Florida, uh, there was a that we would have a golf tournament and uh, and a big auction and stuff where that's where I started doing those painted guitars was for that auction. for mm-hmm. those. And uh, and Charlie would, you know, uh, Charlie would have me up, you know, to sing with him all the time. And uh, uh, the first time he did, though, he scared the heck out of me uh it wasn't part of the big jam in front of the ten thousand people like it normally was it was actually just in the room in the the ballroom at the hotel at the i think it was at the hard rock uh their seminal hard rock and uh so charlie was just jamming and playing some stuff and carolyn corlew you know his singer tommy crane the guitar player and that so they're all up there and uh and they and they called me up so they call me up and, and they go, uh, uh, and Charlie, uh, and Charlie had had them say, You know, uh, uh South's gonna do it again, and so I figured, well, you know, because there's, there's, there's the chorus, right? South's gonna do it again, where everybody sings, right? So I figured that's what we're doing. So Charlie starts off, just take it. <laughs> And I, like, take, so I, like, Mississippi. a beat. I go, train from Brown to rolling right on time, and the Tucker boys cooking down Carolina. And Charlie is in hysterics. Everyone knew they were going to do that to me. And then he sang along with it. It was, like, everyone knew they, that they were going to do that to me, except me. So.
3: <laughs> no, that's a great story. That's a great story. So, but we are coming up on that time. Leo has another show tonight at nine that he has to produce. Um, so, any last questions from from up? You know, the uh, it's been just comments. tons of comments tonight. There's been a ton of comments. There's a ton of viewers. Um, but I mean, do either one of you have any more questions for our amazing guest?
0: Well, no. I was going to ask him when we're going to see him again, but obviously, it's not till November. Um, um, well, I don't unless yeah. you're up in the area.
1: Um, well, I am going to be in the area, I'll be uh, at Terrificon, uh, which oh, are, okay. uh, I think that's around uh, the 4th of July or something like that. I'm not looking, yeah. directly, not looking at my calendar right now, right? But I know that I'll be in Connecticut, uh, at least then. Um, and uh, for anybody that's interested, uh, if you go to the Facebook page, which is a guy Gilchrist production pinned to my page at the top of the page all the time is where I'm going to be. So if, if you're interested in finding out if I'm going to be in your area or something like that, you know, just kind of keep checking in. We do post a lot on Instagram and, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and and all of that where I'm going to be too, but
3: it's always available there. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm
1: really looking forward to seeing you guys whenever I can.
3: Absolutely. Most definitely. We've had a blast. Hey,
1: to bill uh bill lately bill downer
3: oh, oh jesus
0: he calls me so much i look at the phone sometimes and go no not now
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I i get that yeah i get that uh you yeah. know bill and i are just the closest friend you know we're both graduates of henson high yep oh uh, i love bill and yeah. uh we know bill, we and love bill. bill. See it later on. I love you, man. I'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah. I talk to him probably a couple of times a week. Yeah. Love will
0: Yeah. I certainly will. Yeah. He doesn't
3: call pissed. me he doesn't call me as much as he used to when he found out that we might be related. <laughs> <laughs> Uh next time next time we're at a con together and we have time, I'll I'll fill you in on the story with Bill's there. But yeah, it was it was pretty comical. I I I have never seen somebody dial the phone so fast to their wife to find out if it could be possible. <laughs> right. Hey guys, it's been a blast. We've had a blast. So oh, on that's always
1: so much fun.
3: Leo, do your thing. Oh, okay. and guy guy, hang, hang on, on for just guys. a couple of seconds when he closes the stream, please. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for watching
2: this evening for our awesome guests. Definitely check show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. Uh, for me, just Google Leo pond. You find a bunch of stuff could be too, could be not, but uh, I run a little thing called the dorkening podcast network. We got a ton of shows on the network, a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff guy. Where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Uh, uh,
1: uh Facebook is great. It's, uh, uh a guy Gilchrist production.com also, uh, on uh, uh, Instagram and it's guy F as in frog Gilchrist and uh, on Twitter as well. Awesome.
2: Jeffrey.
1: You can Google Jeff, but you're not going to find me.
0: (laughs) Just go to still, just go to still You'll find everything you need to know about us. And uh, for those that like our show, you can watch all of our previous episodes. All the links are on our website under Still talking with.
2: And I think I proved that. Yes, you can be Googled. I can. Oh, you did prove that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell eyes? anybody. You,
3: look at, look at, look at, he's all excited now. Don't tell anybody. Stop telling them you're going <laughs> to Google me. Will you, please? Benjamin. Hi. Oh, so, as always, we want to thank our amazing guests for coming out and hanging out tonight. Uh, hopefully, our viewers and listeners learned something they didn't know about him. Or, Just We're introduced to him, and now they're going to run out and want to see him, which is what we encourage. So to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Bye.